0: Hey, Captains, Logs, and Lightsabers listeners, this is Jonathan. Today's episode makes mention of some difficult topics. These topics include self-harm, suicide, psychosis, loss of family and loved ones, and more. Please stop listening if any of these themes may be potentially triggering to you. If you or anyone you know are having suicidal thoughts and ideations or any other mental health crisis, please dial the National Suicide Helpline at 988 988- from any phone within the United States. You can also contact the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI, at 1-800-950-6264. If you're outside of the United States, you can locate suicide and mental health crisis lines for your country at blog.opencounseling.com forward slash suicide hyphen hotlines.
1: Captain's Logs. On the I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon.
0: This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. I already one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. You're listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers,
1: part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network.
0: Hey, welcome to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We are the podcast on the Geek News Now network that discusses both Star Trek and Star Wars in the same show. I bet you probably thought you were never going to hear from us again, did you? (laughs) But anyway, my name is Jonathan. I'm just one of the hosts on this show. I'm joined every single episode by my friend, Chris Stow. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Jonathan. It's good to be back here. How have you been? I'll tell you what, man, it has been uh, a a quite a whirlwind of four or five months since we last talked and recorded, Uh, just to kind of give our listeners a little background to why we've been gone for so long. So June 1st, I, well, actually, let's go back a little bit further. So the beginning of May, I was on vacation for two weeks. And then on June 1st, I took a brand new job, completely different career field a job that changed my schedule drastically from what I was working and it was hard to kind of get used to. And now, you know, now that I'm finally, you know, a few months in, I have a rhythm. Chris and I here have found some time set aside so that we can record. But yeah, yeah, we're back and we we thank you for sticking with us for this long. I, I never wanted it to go this long without a new episode, but unfortunately, here we are. We're, we're several months hiatus, but we are back. So, Chris, uh, why don't you tell our listeners what has been going on
1: in your life the past few months? Oh, well, it's, it's certainly been interesting. So I unfortunately, starting in May, um, I lost my uncle. He had been sick for a while. And then at the end of May also, as many of you know, I am a uh, private practice mental health therapist. And unfortunately, we deal with a lot of interesting things topics and situations. Unfortunately, I lost a client to suicide at the end of the month, of, of end of May. So that was very difficult to deal with. I've never had that happen before. Uh, shortly after that happened, I had a client that had a first psychotic break, <laughs> which took a lot of time away and affected uh, about a week worth of my practice. I got sick right after that, days after that with a sinus infection. I was sick for almost a month with that, about three, three and a half weeks. Then a month after that, at the end of July, I got COVID. And then my wife had it, obviously, right after I did. Then things seemed to be getting a little bit better. Went into August. I, was, I went to day one of Steel City Con and woke up the very next morning. Uh, we got the news that my father-in-law had passed away in his sleep. So we've been dealing a lot with trying to make sure my mother-in-law is doing okay and uh, helping her with things around the house, helping her get the funeral arrangements, all of that together. And then uh, had another loss uh, in the family just uh, a couple weeks weeks. I would say actually last week. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was because um, that's ki- that's kind of private with who it involved. Um, but just a lot of loss this summer and a lot of sickness. Um, so the fact that we're back and doing this is finally – it's going to be wonderful. I'm hoping the fall is going to bring some really good uh, luck, you know.
0: Yeah, for sure. Man, uh, first of all, my condolences on on – all the loss that you experienced these past
1: several months that that can't be easy. Um, it, it was wild. I've never had I've never really dealt with death in my life. I had a grandmother die when I was nine, a couple uncles here and there. And then my my grandmother, who was really in my life, she died when I was 26. Since then, there's been no death. And now all of a sudden, bam, you know, it's, it's a wake up call when you start seeing your parents and, and uh, in-laws passing away. It's very it's rough, you know. Sure.
0: Yeah. It's it's not easy to lose a parent.
1: Yeah. Yes. And my, and my wife's learned has dealing with that. It's, it's, it's been something, you know, but like I said, I'm just glad that you and I are back together here and we can actually talk about some nerd stuff and actually have some (laughs) fun going into the rest of the year, you know? Exactly. Well,
0: I mean, I don't want to drag our listeners down along this path that we've been uh, on, but Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) so, so let's, let's kind of transition and talk about some happy stuff. What do you think about uh, jumping into how did you geek this week?
1: I think we can definitely do that. So how did you geek this week?
0: This past week, Monday through Friday, the 19th through the 23rd, I got the opportunity to sail on the brand new Disney Cruise Line vessel, the the Disney Wish. What's geeky about the, the Disney Wish isn't, of course, there's a bunch of Disney nerds and myself being one of them out there, but you know, as far as you know, our our domain and what we like, uh, there's a big Star Wars and Marvel presence on this ship, which is something relatively new, you know, even though, essentially, even though Disney has owned Marvel and Star Wars for uh, almost a decade, well, actually, <laughs> they, they purchased uh, Lucasfilm a decade ago already, surprisingly. Wow. Uh, 2012, and it's now 2022, they, they just didn't have a, a huge presence on any of the ships uh, of these two massive Titans uh, of IP so that the wish is the first voice or the first uh, Disney vessel that was really to really incorporate star Wars and Marvel quite heavily. So jump into the Marvel connection. Um, They there's an entire restaurant that is a Marvel themed dinner show. Like for example, it's, it's the, the idea is you are brought into Pym. Labs and uh, the main characters in the dinner show are Ant-Man and the Wasp, and you know if you've seen the Ant-Man movies, you know things don't always go perfectly for Scott Lang <laughs> when he's <laughs> using his new abilities that you know that he discovered. So there was there was some comedy and some things happen on the ship, things happen to the ship. It, it was fun. It was really cool, and it had that that, that level of of comedic timing that only Paul Rudd is, is, uh, able to, uh, to bring, you know, yes. it was a good time. It was a really good time. And, and then as far as the star Wars component on the ship, there is a, a lounge, a bar called star Wars hyperspace lounge on board. And you basically walk in and you feel it kind of feels a little bit like, a really high end lounge on a cruise ship they kind of said that it was the idea the design language came from uh Dryden Foss's uh star yacht in in solo you know how it was outlaid in gold and very opulent and decadent that was kind of what they said it was going to be like uh on in the hyperspace lounge but honestly i didn't get any of that It was kind of underwhelming, if I'm being totally honest. Um, Okay. It it just, it was, it was cool. It was a cool environment to go in and have a a, a unique themed beverage. Um, Something, you know, that was, feels like it would, you know, you, you might see it in the Star Wars universe if it were, uh, if we were able to really experience it. But the ambiance and, and the, like the, the decadence just wasn't there. It just felt like a bar. Um, Oh wow! Okay, it was was kind of disappointing, but you know, eh, whatever. (laughs) Exactly. I don't want to be Debbie Downer about it, but I was just a little unimpressed. Like, sure, you know. But uh, I still had a blast on the trip. Don't I? Don't uh, I? Don't want to let you know let people think that I didn't enjoy the trip because of one small issue that I had. So it was a blast. So anyway, uh, on that note, uh, Chris, how did you geek this week?
1: All right. Well, I didn't geek much this week or in the last couple weeks. If you don't mind, I'll, I would go I wanted to go back to the beginning of June, actually, and just tell a couple quick little sure. things I've done. So at the... In April, I joined a a local Star Trek fan club here in Pittsburgh, the USS Stella Parada. They are a chapter of Starfleet International. They're a big Star Trek fan club that's uh, around the world. It's been around since the early 1970s, I believe. Our chapter is in Region 7, which is a big part of Pennsylvania and a couple of the outlying states. So uh, Stella Parada stands for Star Pirate. So we kind of fancy ourselves as pirates. So, But I got to do the very first activity with them uh, June 4th and 5th when we did Three Rivers Comic Con at the David L. Lawrence in Pittsburgh. We had a really nice little setup where we were trying to teach people about our club and get them involved and, and join. We got a couple of new crew members that came in. We sold some Star Trek things. Uh, one of our our first officer, I believe, actually made Tribbles that people were able to buy and adopt, which was oh, really great. cool and we did a, a what co- was called pirate plinko where we had people actually pay, play plinko like they do on uh on the price is right and they, based on whatever number or however amount of points they got, they got a certain kind of prize, which was really cool. All of the money that we earned went for the charity that the chapter actually does. The name of the charity is actually escaping me right now, but it has something to do with video games. I think it's called like One Up or something to that effect. And basically what it does is it earns money to buy video games for kids who have cancer or are sick in the hospital. So they have video games to play while they're there. That's awesome. Yeah, and we earned several hundred dollars for that, and we had a blast. So, there were, because of everything that had gone on during the summer, I didn't get to join him for a whole lot of other activities. But we did have an outing at one of the crew members' houses September 3rd. We actually watched a movie out on a projector at his house. And uh, we actually got to watch Top Gun Maverick. It was the first time I've ever watched any Top Gun to to ever. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to go see it when it was in the theaters in in the summer. My wife wanted to really see it, but I had never seen the first one in all these years it's been out. So I made the argument, I don't want to go and see that uh, the second one if I didn't know what happened in the first one. So we saw Jurassic World Dominion instead. But anyway, fast forward back to September. So we ended up – the crew wanted to watch Top Gun Maverick, and I was blown away. It, it was amazing mm-hmm. getting to watch that. So we just it was nice to actually have some camaraderie with the crew. I've, I've become close with them very quickly. A lot of them are cat lovers like my wife and I are, and we get to talk about Star Trek, and I get to be a part of the community again, which has been really nice. Yeah. So. Hopefully we'll have more stuff coming up here in the next few months, and I'll definitely report on that. But if anybody's ever interested in joining a local Starf- Starfleet chapter, please look. Uh, go on. to I believe that website is www.sfi.org. Look in your area there. It'll show you the different regions around the world. See if you have a chapter in your area. It's wonderful. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh you're going to say something. Okay. Oh, let's see. What else did I do this summer? So, yeah, I saw Jurassic World, Dominion. That was really good. Mm, and then August, uh, I did go to Steel City Con. I was actually going to be covering it for Geek News Now. I did day one of it, got a few pictures, and I got to see some really neat panels that were there. Uh, my, my particular favorite one was many of you guys know, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'll be 42 in November. So I grew up with all those really great 80s sitcoms and there was a reunion of the characters from perfect strangers, uh, uh, Mark Lynn Baker who played Larry Appleton and Bronson Pinchot who played, uh, Balky from Meepos. That was a blast. I, I mean, go on to YouTube and look up their panel. And you're going to have a blast if you remember those guys from the 80s and into the 90s. Also had a panel where I got to hear Will Wheaton speak. That was very interesting. He talked a lot about some stuff with his parents and the kind of the way he was brought up and kind of his relationship with them now. It was it was very interesting, kind of the the back back backstory of being a child actor and how that impacted him growing up and the kind of person that he is now. So again, if you can go on to uh, YouTube and you can find his panel from that day, it was August 12th, I believe it was. Yes, it was August 12th. Definitely look that up. It's a really good insight into him. We also learned a little bit that he's kind of, I guess, a self-described germaphobe. He actually wore his mask during the entire uh, presentation. It was kind of hard to hear him a little bit. Uh, but he still he that's something that he's dealt with his whole life is kind of a, a, a fear of germs and that kind of came up in his in his speech as well so that was so with me as i've suffered with ocd and had an issue with that when i was a teenager that kind of hit close to home with me sure so it was uh it was it was a very it was just very interesting but he didn't talk just about star trek he talked about a whole bunch of stuff but he did also say if any of you guys watched the ready room after some of the star trek shows on paramount plus he said that when he's actually geeking out there, that's not just him putting on a persona. That's really him geeking out with the cast members of the different shows. So that, it was nice to hear that that was something genuine because sometimes people fake it, you know, to kind of get through it. But he doesn't do that.
0: Right. No, I know. I know Will is a massive, massive geek. So it's definitely nothing. Uh, it's not a show. I mean, it, it, yes. you know, he is he is genuine. He is nerdy. He is us.
1: <laughs> yes, and that that's what made it very nice is it just wasn't somebody just putting on an act. It was somebody who was who was one of us, and he talked to us at that like that during the panel. Um, a couple other people that we saw there, Edward James Olmos was there. Most a lot of people remember him from Miami Vice, but I know him from Battlestar Galactica as Admiral Dama. He he thanked the audience for all of the support over the years with his different projects. And he ended it with the so say we all chant. That 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 was to be able to do that with him, you know, starting small and building up to like shouting it the third time that he said it. That was that was that was a geek moment that I'll I'll never forget. It it was very special. And the whole audience did it with him. It, It was wonderful. Uh, there were a couple other people I think we saw. Joey Fatone, I think, was there. He actually put on a pretty good panel. Um, I'm not really a big bit boy band person. I like New Kids on the Block because so my wife's a big fan of it. I think your wife is, too. Oh, so, much. Very yeah, much. <laughs> very much so. So, yeah. so. But um, other than that, I mean, so I didn't get to see the other two days of Steel City Con because my father-in-law passed away. But – it was it was a good having that one day and those five hours straight to get to watch those panels. So, you ever, as people, some people know, I'm a very very big proponent of. I want people to go to their local cons. It really helps bring uh, attention to the communities that they're in, and it makes those areas grow and makes the, the cons grow. So, please, if you ha- if you can get a chance to go to your local conventions, please look them up and go. They're a blast.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I just want to touch on a couple things that uh, you mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, I, I like Jurassic world dominion. It was, it was a decent movie. Uh, I don't know if it quite capitalized on what I expected it to after mm-hmm. the second one, but mm-hmm. eh, it, w- it was still enjoyable. I had fun. Mm-hmm. I had a blast. That's all I care about with a movie. Definitely. I mean, will I ever watch it again? Nah, eh, probably not. <laughs> Will I buy it on digital when it's, like, five bucks? Maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, just so I can have access to it if I want. Um, Top Gun Maverick was freaking amazing. Yes. Uh, and I, unpopular opinion time, I do not like Top Gun, the, the original one. I do not okay. like it. I think it's a, I don't think it's a good movie. I, I think it is a giant two-hour movie commercial for the uh u.s navy um which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it's also not a realistic depiction of what life in the navy is really like so not a good commercial uh (laughs) but, but i really 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 enjoyed uh top gun maverick i thought that the aerial combat was incredible i don't know maybe because the uh the final uh third of the movie was basically uh, a trench run like A New Hope. Yes. Good point. <laughs> yes. Uh, mm-hmm. that, was, that was a little on the nose um, as far as a reference, but it was still enjoyable. It was, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. But the fact that they did that with real fighter jets in real locations – Uh, instead of miniatures and some clever camera work.
1: Yes. Oh, I can imagine without a doubt, without a doubt. I also, what I really liked about it, maybe this isn't a a popular opinion either, but it was just a movie that you could go to and have fun. You can Mm -hmm. escape for a couple hours and not worry about it. I think nowadays, regardless of the political spectrum, I think there's too much political stuff in a lot of things. And some people it's kind of turning some audience off where people just want to go and have escapism for a couple hours you know, so it was just a fun movie to just go and, and and enjoy it. I don't know, I I didn't see any political stuff in it. Maybe I'm I'm just naive and I just wasn't paying attention. But it was just a fun movie.
0: Yeah, it was something that appeals to every single person. And, yes. you know, it, it's it's just a feel good oora American movie. I know ooh is Marines, but you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just it was just a feel good movie yeah there mm-hmm. was there was no politics there was no there was no current trends in pop culture it was just a fun movie that millions and millions and millions of people went out to see i mean the fact that it became it's now i think number 5 or number 6 all time box office wow. is insane i mean yeah, it sure is <laughs> it has made billions of dollars at the box office globally and that's so impressive, yes, and, uh, and I think
1: it's still in the theaters too. I think it's playing like all over the place still in theaters, and then it 's on demand and you can get that, it anywhere, yeah, yeah, really. I mean this that, there hasn 't been a movie
0: like Top Gun Maverick in the theaters that has had such an impressive run since i i don 't even think that uh the, the the recent Star Wars trilogy movies were in theaters nearly as long as maverick i I'm struggling to find to think of anything that lasted uh, four months at the box office and and still being shown in theaters. It's it's crazy.
1: Exactly. I, to be honest with you, I think the last couple of movies that went that long were probably Titanic in '97, mm-hmm. and what was the other one? My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I, yes. I remember that being out for long periods back. It was that the early, late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: well. Yeah. I think um, my Big Fat Greek Wedding was. 99 or 2000
1: mm-hmm. yeah college time back in right. the college days well i think i was in college i think you might have still been in high school
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I started college in 01 so
1: okay and i was 99 so there yep yeah. yeah. all right
0: all right so uh on that note that's enough geeking out uh yes. outside of star wars and trek let's let's move on to the news
1: Uh Move the ship out of the
0: asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission. Captain,
1: incoming message. Come closer, I have good news.
0: All right, Chris, why don't you kick us off with the first news story?
1: Well, one of the big news stories that happened during the summer was the passing of Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant O'Hara from the original Star Trek series. She died on July 30th. She had been suffering for many years with dementia. And she just it was it was her time, unfortunately, to go. Um, She was she was just an amazing icon. As a lot of fans know, Nichelle Nichols talked a lot about how she was going to leave the original Star Trek in 1967 at the end of the first season. I believe from what I was doing some research on on that time, and I think she wanted to go and do a play. And she went to Gene Romberry and said, I, I want out. I, I don't think I can do this much anymore. He asked her to think about it over the weekend. She said she would. Well, she went to a fundraiser for the NAACP and somebody said, hey, a big Star Trek fan here wants to talk to you. And she just thought it would be some fanboy, fangirl. And it turned out to be Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. And she said that she had decided she was going to leave the show. And he said, you cannot. And she said that that took taking her quite aback. And he said, don't you realize what you've done? You've opened the door for people to see African-Americans or black people as we're supposed to be as equals. And it's the only show that we allow our kids to watch during the week because of that. And she was taken aback by that. And so she went back on the following Monday, told Gene Roddenberry that she decided she was going to stay. And he actually had tears in his eyes. And the rest was history. And, as you know, she's. In addition to just being on the bridge, I mean, she opened a lot of doors for a lot of people, especially in real life. She actually helped, she volunteered for NASA and did a program, I believe it was called Women in Motion, which helped to get women and minorities into NASA and helped bring about a lot of different people. Some some of them actually were on the Challenger missions that unfortunately uh, they, they passed away in the explosion in 1986 with the Challenger but also, she, Dr. Mae Jemison was the first African American female in space, and she has said for years how she, Nichelle Nichols was the one who inspired her and basically showed her she could be anything that she wanted to be, and she actually got to guest star as a transporter chief during the sixth season of the Next Generation, and Nichelle Nichols visited her on stage, which was really, which was really awesome, and she also obviously. She inspired Whoopi Goldberg to become anything that she ever wanted to be. Whoopi Goldberg has said, you know, she saw Nichelle Nichols as Uhura on the bridge and was running through the house saying, Come quick, come quick. There's a black lady on television and she ain't no maid. You know, that's just, that's just something that really sticks with you. And look what she's become. I mean, she's one of the only few EGOT winners in Hollywood history, you know, yeah. and she can be whatever she wants to be. She, I mean, she. I mean, she can take whatever small job she wants, whatever big job She doesn't care. She is who she is. And it all was inspired because of Nichelle Nichols. And, you know, just losing her was just a it was just a really big loss. You know, I mean, if you don't mind real quick. Also, I want to say that I saw Nichelle Nichols twice in uh, the conventions. Uh, The first one was in 1992 at Monroeville Expo Mart. I was uh, 11 years old at the time. And she, it was my mom, we used to joke was like Roseanne because my mom had that voice that could bend steel when she talked <laughs> loud. And at one point, Nichelle Nichols was asking somebody, a que- somebody was asking her a question and Nichelle couldn't hear her. So my mom, us way in the back, we couldn't afford the top of the line seats. We were way in the back. My mom was able to project so loud from the back all the way to the front what the question <laughs> was. Nichelle Nichols was actually taken aback and went boy. (laughs) And my mom actually was embarrassed. She's like having her her face, but she got the question across, you know? So that was a lot of fun. And she actually sang for the crowd at the end. And we saw some pictures of it, which was really cool. I'll have to find them and send them to you. Um, The other time that I met Nichelle Nichols was when she was battling dementia. It was in 2019. I knew that she was on her final run in conventions. And I said to my wife, I said, Brandy, I really want to get a picture with her because I know it's only going to be a matter of time. And so I said, we got to go to Las Vegas Comic Con or or, uh, Star Trek Las Vegas that year. And so that was the only reason we went to STLV-19 was Mm -hmm. for that picture. And I remember going to see her and she was pretty frail and just very weak in what she was saying. But they treated her like a queen. I mean, they walked her to her seat, everything. And she sat there with every single person. And I made sure because she always gave the Vulcan salute that I gave it in that picture. And I said, I told her, I said, how much I love, I said, I love you. And she said, thank you. And, and that was my last memory of her. And I am so thankful that I got to do that.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, there's, I don't really have much more to add. Uh, Unfortunately, I never had the chance to meet her but I am well aware of her contributions to to society, to culture. I mean, she's an icon. She is an icon. She was an icon, and she will forever be an icon.
1: Yes, absolutely. Just as a side note, we also had another quick – we had another Star Trek loss this weekend. Louise Fletcher, um, she played – Vedic and then Kai Win in 14 mm. episodes of Star Trek Deep Space 9. She passed away at her home in France over the weekend. I believe it was yesterday. She was 88 years old. Uh, many people may not know her outside of Vedic Win or Kai Win, but she was also in the 70s, she was a, she won an Oscar for playing Nurse Ratchet. In the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. That's right. Yes. I forgot about that. Yes, she was an amazing actress. I'm sure so many people love Deep Space Nine, partly because of the 14 episodes she was in. She was just phenomenal. Sure. And it's just another, another tug at the heart, another loss from my childhood yeah. after Nichelle Nichols. So, you know, rest in peace, Louise Fletcher. Thank you for your contribution to Deep Space Nine and to the Star Trek community.
0: Absolutely. All right, so um, let's leave the depressing news and move into something a little bit happier. So on Star Trek Day, we did get a new uh, teaser trailer for the third and final season of Star Trek Picard. Chris, do you want to
1: talk a little bit about what happened in the trailer, what we can look forward to in the show? Sure. So there wasn't a whole lot of detail given. Basically, it started, it looks like Dr. Crusher is not in Starfleet anymore. She was on some sort of, it looked like a Starfleet ship. And she had a phaser rifle in her (laughs) hands. That's really all I know about that. And her ship was being attacked by some sort of unknown alien vessel. It looks like Picard ends up... There must, it must be tied into somehow with Dr. Crusher he ends up rounding up the, the his Enterprise D and Enterprise E crew for one final mission and I guess it's tied into whatever's going on with Dr. Crusher He and Riker were on board I guess some sort of shuttle going to what looks like a brand new space dock which is based off the one from Star Trek 3 and they look at it and they look and say isn't she a beauty or something to that effect? And we get to see a new ship, which ends up being the USS Titan A. And they go now. This is this is the part I was a little confused on because they play games with trailers sometimes. So I'm wondering if they were actually looking at the Titan A at that moment, or if we're gonna get a surprise and they were looking at a new enterprise, or something to that effect. But anyway, they do board the Titan at one point, and we see Seven of Nine actually welcomes them aboard. She's not the captain, but she's finally in Starfleet, which she, that's what they wanted at the end of Picard season two. She welcomes them on board and they, I guess, kick off on some sort of big mission uh, that, again, we don't know a whole lot about yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm really excited about it. I'm glad they kind of kept the details kind of low, but they introduced every single character back into the fold. And, and right. one thing that I was really, really excited about, and this goes back to when they had a teaser trailer in, uh, I believe it was July 22nd, the day I got COVID, I actually was the day that that trailer came out. <laughs> and when I saw Worf, Worf does not look like the Klingons orcs from Discovery. He looks like Worf. He looks like the Klingons that we had known growing up for many, many years. You know, I, I was like cheering when I saw that. Sure. And I'll, and I'll be honest with you, I think Terry Matliss is is the showrunner for season three of Picard, and he said that he really wanted to give the Next Generation cast a final send off that they deserved, which he felt that they didn't get twenty years ago in Star Trek Nemesis.
0: No, they really did not.
1: Yeah, God. exactly.
0: I st- I've still only seen that movie once, and I don't think I have a
1: desire to see it again. Really? Now you're gonna you're gonna be surprised at this. Nemesis is actually my favorite of the Next Generation movies. Okay. Now I will. I will say, first contact is the better cinematic script. Sure, definitely. I've noticed over the years when we have time travel stories and go, we go away out of the like the Federation and things like that. I tend to lose a little bit of focus, and I really that's I think what I enjoyed about Star Trek Nemesis was it were in the twenty fourth century. It continued that element. We got the Romulans in it, which I was really excited about, and. Me being an identical twin, I kind of related to what Captain Picard was going through. The uh the duality that the personality kind of having his own twin there mm-hmm. and seeing the opposite side of himself. I mean, obviously my twin my identical twin is not evil like Shenzon was. <laughs> you know, but in high school, I remember going through that depression, going through that, you know, being compared, well, Matt's like this and Chris is like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and all of that. And I remember in 11th grade, dying my hair black, trying to be different from him. And Mm -hmm. it didn't look good by the way. That's when my hair started to fall out. So don't dye your hair black people. If you don't, if if you can avoid it, (laughs) you know, so, but, uh, So I get that, the whole thing with Data and B4. So I I resonate with that. And I think that kind of draws me into the story a little bit. But I agree. I think that they didn't have the final ending that they deserved. So I'm hoping that Picard Season 3 will give them that.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. Um, I I, I really, really am excited to see this one final hurrah uh, of the next-gen crew. I'm really hoping it ends... uh, very you know i'm hoping it has a great ending that's something that we're going to keep talking about forever and ever you know i don't want it to just fade into the background and us forget that
1: you know how it ended exactly exactly now i'm wondering how they're going to try to bring data into this in some to some degree obviously brent spiner is going to be involved we don't know what character he's going to play but i mean Obviously, Data went kaboom (laughs) at the end of Nemesis, so it would be kind of hard to bring him back unless they kind of retcon it somehow and say he was able to somehow save himself at the split second, right? but who knows? We'll see.
0: Yep. Uh, On that note, um, since it's been so long since we recorded, while we're on the subject of Picard, let's kind of talk about our thoughts on season two that that wrapped back in uh, early spring. I know you were a big fan of, of how this, how the season progressed and how it ended. So why don't you give our audience a a little
1: thoughts on, I guess, the final six episodes of the season that we didn't talk about on the show? You know what? I I enjoyed the season overall as a whole. I I really liked the whole suspense of them being in the 21st century and trying to solve this mystery and how it led to Renee Picard and how just that tiny little change in history would have just led from the Federation to the Confederation. And I really liked the dynamic with Picard and, uh, oh, what character did she play? I know she played Laris, but I can't remember what her name was as the, as the, uh, As the the Romulan uh, Watcher. Yes, the Romulan Watcher. Absolutely. Um, but they, they had a really nice dynamic with each other. I think that they had really good chemistry. It was sad to see her sacrifice her life at the end of the season for so that Renee could go and, and have her final mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Song so- uh, obviously was trying to kill her uh, at, at that point. Um, one thing that I really thought was really cool, I never thought that we would find out who the the aliens were. If you go back to a Simon Earth and Gary 7, Gary said said that he was part of a group of humans that were taken from the Earth 6,000 years earlier and that they were supposed to be brought back to kind of solve some of Earth's issues, things of that nature. Well, they expanded that to make it kind of sound like that that was also with other planets as well. And so Orla Bradley's character, the... in in the 21st century was one of those as as Romulan who became the descendant of Mm Laris, you know, but it was cool to find out that it was actually the travelers who were these, the, these aliens that would be, would never be known even into the 23rd century. Like they said, in the episode and seeing Will Wheaton come back, that was a treat. Oh my gosh.
0: I was geeking out. Yes. (laughs) Whenever I saw him, I'm like, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us some closure for, uh,
1: West, for Wesley Crusher. Yes, he deserved that. He never really got it. He went off as a tra- as a traveler at the end of season seven of Next Gen. We saw him at the table at uh, in, at the wedding of Riker and Troy in Star Trek Nemesis, That they, they never really did anything. And they, I guess, they kind of considered that non canon. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know, but uh, you know, so he deserved that. Will Wheaton has been gone for far too long, and sure. I think he becomes like a forgotten part of the Next Generation cast, and that's not fair. You right. know, And so to get to see an update on what he got to do was really cool. Maybe they'll have a little thread of that in Picard season three. Hopefully. But, I mean, I wouldn't be upset if we didn't get any more because it it was
0: just the right amount of closure for his character. Uh-huh. Absolutely. But, yeah, it was a good season. What did you think overall? Uh, I thought it was incredible. I know online there, there's been a lot of uh, hate thrown at the season for whatever reason. But, I I mean, I was excited because it, it – it kept the characters that we were introduced to in season one, but it added in characters that we as, as next gen fans could appreciate. You know, you know, we saw a younger version of Guinan uh, and, and I thought the actress that portrayed her did a fantastic job. I thought mm-hmm. she was incredible. Uh, yes. It was kind of nice to see uh, a Guinan who didn't have the uh, the faith in humanity that she had. By the uh-huh. 23rd century, um, I, I, you know, she had almost been ready to give up on on humanity,
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, you know, in, in the 21st century, and you know, it was that meeting with Picard that, that basically helped set her on the path that we eventually see her on. Uh-huh. I, I, I thought that everything with gerardi uh, and the the Borg Queen uh, was was very very compelling. I, yes. I thought that was some of the the, the best uh, subplot of of the whole season. I had my suspicions that maybe Gerardi was the board queen. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, that we saw at, at, before they went back in time, I, you know, because they intentionally kept her face completely covered. Obviously, yeah. they were planning for some big reveal, you know. And then when we see uh, the, the board queen and Gerardi kind of become one, um, I'm like, yeah, that, that's exactly who that board queen is in the 24th century.
1: Definitely. <laughs> I- I'll tell you my, my favorite part of the season was Gerardi singing Shadows of the Night. Right? Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I, that, turned, that turned me on, man. I'm sorry. Just, oh, she was her yeah. voice. Oh, Alison Pill has a fantastic voice. My gosh. It, it was unreal. And, you know, I will say one thing I really love about Star Trek in the present is that they're not doing what they did during the, the Berman era. It always seemed like all people did in the 24th century was read Shakespeare and listen to Bach and Beethoven, <laughs> you know, like what happened to all the, the these rock songs and stuff that people love. So finally even right. saw it in discovery. They were listening to rock music and in and, and lower decks, they talked about the Beatles, you know, we're finally seeing some of that play in. It. And that's one thing I really enjoy is, is some of that current contemporary stuff It shows that at least people in the 25th century are actually starting to still listen to that, mm-hmm. you know, it it was just it was a nice change from that. Oh you know, yeah, that yeah. Stuff, you yeah. know. And then obviously we have to say John Delancey put in a major, a, a wonderful performance as Q. It, it was sad to see that he was dying, mm. and but watching Picard Picard go from being angry and fed up with him and Q slapping him at the beginning of the season to them actually hugging each other right before he died, it just was a nice, you know it completed the whole loop, completed the whole Mm -hmm. circle going back to encounter at far point. It was very touching.
0: Oh yeah. It it wrapped up Q's uh, involvement very nicely. I I mean, I would have, it would have been cool to see uh, Picard take on the mantle of Q, like uh, Mm -hmm. almost like uh, Q passed down his abilities to Picard. I I, I still think that would have been a a pretty compelling end to the season, but Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, they obviously had season three already sketched out, so they knew where they were going. Yes. Uh, they knew they were going to bring in the, the next-gen cast, but, I mean, you know, in, in an alternate universe, I would like to see what happens if uh, if Picard took on the mantle of Q.
1: Right. Yeah, you never know. They might. Maybe somebody will do a comic book about it. You never know.
0: Right, right. At least we <laughs> could explore that as an option. All righty. Let's move on to our next story. We're going to jump into the world of Star Trek toys here for a little bit. Chris, uh, I know that you have a very uh, deep affinity for the Playmates line of Star Trek toys. So I'm going to let you kind of lead this new
1: story as well. Absolutely. So Playmates announced about a year ago that they were going to be, they they got the license again for new action figures and some of the action figures that they were coming out with. So first of all, we're going to get our very first playmates star Trek discovery figures of Michael Burnham and Saru. And then they were going to remake some of the classic figures that they had already made. Uh, So for the original series, they had Khan, they had Admiral Kirk and Spock. And then for the next generation, they were supposed to have Picard and data. I can't remember if Riker was in that mix too. I think he was, But they were saying they were supposed to be coming out sometime here in the fall. They were going to be back at basic retailers, Walmart, Mm -hmm. Toys R, or not Toys R Us, Target, (laughs) Walmart and Target. So, and in this in the summer, they were uh, available for pre order on, I believe, Entertainment Earth and Amazon. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I've been starting to see on Facebook, people are starting to get the the figures are starting to come in. I've been looking around my local Walmart and Target for the last two, three months, seeing if they were starting to trickle in. Not in my area, folks, not happening yet, (laughs) but I'm still looking. They also are releasing a, a light up and sound effect of the original Enterprise from the original series like they did in the 90s and making a replica of the original Starfleet hand phaser. So I've been seeing some pictures of those coming out as well. I haven't really seen the reviews yet. So the figures, people seem to really like the new figures uh, at this point. They're a little bit taller than the old ones. The original ones in the 90s were four and a half inches. These ones are five inches, and th- these ones have 14 points of articulation. People are saying, actually, that they can sit better than the original Playmates ones actually were able to do. That's good. Yeah, some people were saying, though, that the... the uh little parts that come with them, the accessories aren't as good of quality as they were back in the day. And the stands that they come on are apparently a lot cheaper in quality. Mm. But You know, a whatever. I mean, right. it's just nice to have the figures back. Right. But how I mean, much, you know, if they use better
0: materials, if they use better stands, how much more would we pay for the figures? Right? Exactly. They're, right. they're probably trying to keep them as close to, uh, you know the usual prices. You know, um, yes. Uh, what were they in the '90s? Do you remember?
1: In, in the '90s, the the prices for the figures were actually four ninety seven. Okay, apiece. I and, still have the boxes for them, <laughs> and then uh, and then, but the now they're twelve ninety nine a piece. I mean, that's that's about
0: average for a, a figure. I mean there are some three and three quarter inch figures in the star Wars uh, line that yes. cost more than 1299 a piece. So mm-hmm. the fact that you're getting a, a larger figure, that's more detailed, more uh, articulation.
1: I mean, that's, that's a pretty good price. Absolutely. I agree. Now, 30 years ago, when I got my very first next gen figure, the one I opened originally was data. So now it's 30 years later. I'm That's what I'm going to do. As soon as I see the data figure, that's going to be the first one I get and open just to mm-hmm. kind of, Continue that tradition. Got it. You know? Got it. So, All righty. Another little fun tidbit about Star Trek items that are going to be coming out is Nerf actually admitted through Hasbro that they are going to be releasing a dart gun. Two of them, actually. They're going to make a Type 3 phaser rifle. Um, and they're also going to be making the Starfleet Type 2 phaser that was seen in Star Trek First Contact. So here's the actual official description from Nerf. These capture the look of the phasers used by Jean-Luc Picard and the crew of the USS Enterprise. The Type 3 motorized dart blaster has light-up effects that simulate the look of being assimilated by the Borg in homage to the film Star Trek First Contact, light-up phaser effects, phaser sounds, authentic first contact movie sounds, an internal five-dart clip, and fires one dart at a time. The Starfleet Type 2 phaser fires one dart and has a pullback priming handle. So according to the story I'm looking at, at on TrekMovie.com, the phasers are actually going to be sold together, but get this, they're priced at 119 dollars So that's yeah. a little bit out of my price range there, sir. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I, I'm looking at a picture of them now, and they're pretty
0: cool looking. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that 120 is is the right price. But hey, you know what? for for the for the collectors out there that are willing to spend that kind of money to have something cool, uh I, I you know, hey, go for it. Um but yeah, I, I don't have the space and I don't have the money to uh to, to spend on something like this, but I can I can look at it and admire it from afar.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it'll be great to see them if in the stores if that's where they have them, you know, and just kind of like you said, admire them, maybe take a picture, but I think that's about it. At yeah. This point. yeah. All right. Yeah. So
0: our last bit of news about toys uh, is kind of a bit of a downer, unfortunately, but they're still you know, there's still plenty of hope. It's no big deal really. Uh, so Eagle Moss, which if, uh, if you've been listening to us since the beginning, you might remember we did an episode on Trek and, and Star Wars toys way back, I think episode three or four of the podcast. Um, but you know, we had mentioned towards the end that Eagle Moss was one of the, the license holders, uh, that had taken over the Star Trek line and they were producing some really, really high end, really detailed, um, not so much toys, but, uh, collectible models of, of Starfleet vessels. Uh, and, and unfortunately, the Eagle Moss company, uh, they're a British based company. So they've gone into what's called administration. Uh, essentially it's the equivalent of chapter 11 bankruptcy in the U S where, uh, the the company is unfortunately folding and, and they will no longer have, uh, any licenses. And unfortunately it doesn't look like they're going to recover from this administration. Um, tag it looks like they will completely fold which is unfortunate um but like i said there's still hope because there are plenty plenty of uh big companies out there that would probably love to handle the uh the super detailed the super uh collectible uh high-end ship models uh just for example company i can think of off the top of my head is gentle giant um they do a lot with star wars and they have produced some very 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 good uh star wars um, high-end collectibles so there's still plenty of hope for for us to get some uh, high-end collectibles again
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah, I don't want to see the Star Trek collectible phenomenon go away. I mean, it never will 100% go away, but I I miss that old 90s heyday when you had toys and and collectibles everywhere, basically, you know. So hopefully, you know, we'll start seeing some high-end collectibles again and, and, and get some good ships going, definitely. Looking at our next bit of
0: news... So the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series on Disney Plus has come and went since our last uh, recording. So Chris and I are going to briefly talk about what we thought of the series as a whole. And I guess we'll give two of our favorite moments uh, of of what we saw in in the show. So I'll I'll kind of kick us off. I, I thought that the series was good. I thought it was pretty dark when we first meet obi-wan uh, about 10 years after the events of revenge of the sith he is broken he's he's a very very broken man he he has lost his connection with the force he is working at a like a meat processing facility where he's like you know slowly carving meat from some kind of Space whale. It looks like I don't know what that thing was, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's he's just basically he's working. He's working for very minimal wages. He's living in a cave. He doesn't even have the the hut that we uh, that we meet him in in for the first time in uh, a New Hope. Uh, he's just living completely broke, completely lost his connection to the Force. He's almost hopeless. I mean, his only real friend that he has is the Eopi who can't talk back to him uh and then he has a relationship with this jawa who likes to steal from him and then try to sell his own stuff back to obi-wan <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so yeah obi-wan is very broken when we meet him and, and it was not i was not expecting that i don't think um i mean he's still watching over luke from afar but you know, like he, that's, that's the only thing that really, I think that keeps him going. Um, but you know, he, he receives a plea for help from, uh, from Bail Organa because, you know, Leia is is kidnapped and taken off of the planet of Alderaan. Um, man, that, that, and the whole, you know, young Leia thing was completely, uh, shocking. I was not expecting that. And, and I loved every minute of it. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, so the rest of the season essentially, you know, is Obi-Wan trying to rescue and and keep uh, Princess Leia out of harm's way um, while being chased by some Inquisitors. Uh, there are some interesting little plot developments. Um, you know, we find out that uh, this, the, um, the main Inquisitor is not really playing for the Empire um but unfortunately <laughs> uh she was not as stealthy or sneaky as she thought she was um oh. you know Vader was fully aware of what she was doing and just basically let her uh think that she was in control when she really wasn't so yeah i mean i thought i thought the series was excellent i thought it was uh a little darker than i expected it to be but it ended on on a happy note which was you know i guess you know it, it, Pretty much with the exception of Empire, most Star Wars ends on at least a positive note. Uh, mm-hmm. you know? So that was good to see it end like that. What what were your um, overall thoughts? And then what were your what were one or two of your favorite moments?
1: Overall, I enjoyed the series very, very much. It was nice to finally get a, a picture of what happened during those 19 years uh, between the, the, the different trilogies. It was weird. I always kind of pictured Obi-Wan was kind of fine on on Tatooine, just kind of doing his own thing, watching Luke and just kind of going back and forth, training, whatever. So to see him so beaten down and broken was was very hard, even down to the point where he tried to deny who he was in front of that Jedi who ended up being killed in the first episode. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like he just wanted to completely distance himself from that, even down when after Leia was taken and, uh, taken captive, and Bail Organa called and asked for help, it was like he just numbed himself. It was just like, that was my past, what am I going to do now, it, at this point? I loved when Bail basically put him in his place and made him say, you know, and it was actually kind of almost like what the audience maybe it was even saying, Luke wasn't the only special one here. It, Leia had a destiny too, as them being the identical twins, or not identical twins, as the twins, you know. So, it was it was nice to kind of see him be like, you know what, yeah, Leia has an, has an important purpose here, too. It's not just Luke. It's not just the boy, you know. So and the interactions with li- that little Leia was probably the highlight of the series. Oh, she, yeah. She was so perfectly cast. Carrie Fisher, I guarantee you, would have loved this little girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, the spirit of, of, of Leia was just, and Carrie Fisher was in this little girl. And the sass. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, saying that, you know, you're probably my gr- you know grandfather, maybe. When they're on that planet, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, just it, they, she nailed the role and she, she probably to me kind of stole the show, to be perfectly honest. There were some definite shock moments during the during it uh, watching, seeing in it was it episode four when he was down in kind of like the basement of that that building, that that, that underground building they were in and watching all the dead, seeing the dead Jedi
0: in mm-hmm. storage,
1: especially the 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 youngling there i'm not exactly sure why they they went and did that i guess unless it was just to say look what we were able to do yeah you know and i was kind of wondering are they f- cryogenically frozen or are they actually dead and just put in storage i i have no
0: idea but it was very oof, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was it was it was, it was yeah very much um yes yeah i, I wasn't expecting that either and honestly I, I kind of forgot about that scene until you mentioned it but yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah it, it, it,
1: Yeah, it it was it was definitely one that stuck out. Also, in episode five, when Obi-Wan Kenobi and Reva were talking through the door and they were talking about the whole reason why she was the way she was. She was angry at Anakin and and Darth Vader because of what he did, what she witnessed. Mm -hmm. And then Obi-Wan, because she was like, why didn't you stop him? You know, so like it's like you finally see why she was so angry at Obi-Wan and so intent of trying to go and get him. I think you're absolutely right that it was wonderful watching Vader playing the mind games, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, with Reva. I mean, it's certainly in character with him and it, it kind of parallels the fact how em- the Emperor kind of played games psychologically with Anakin before he fell. You know, and and how he continued to do so, even though as he was Darth Vader. So Uh it it was very interesting. I loved Riva. I I know a lot of people weren't interested. They said she was a bad actress, things of that nature. I really liked her. From the very get-go, watching her performance, she scared me. Uh And I felt the genuine anger and hate and the impulsiveness that she had. She brought a lot of depth into that role. And... I'm sorry that people didn't enjoy it. I think they missed out. I think it was, she was, she had a wonderful performance. I hope that we see her again in something. Oh yeah,
0: oh, absolutely. I mean, she's, I mean, she's been in stuff like this mm-hmm. was hardly her first role. Um, But uh, yeah, I, I think she would, I think she played the, the role perfectly. I think, you know, she embodied uh, the ideals. I mean, even though it was a, you know, a, a front but I think she embodied the ideals of the Sith. She was ruthless. She was willing to um, go above her supervisor's head in order to uh, get her way. I mean, she had had it you know had the show been longer had it been mm-hmm. maybe one or two more episodes i think she would have been even more ruthless um i think she would have had quite a higher body count and and you know i think her body count would have been uh some of her you know her fellows you know the other inquisitors i think mm-hmm. I, I definitely think she would have uh, gone off on on one or two of them um, yes if given the opportunity but yeah i i think i mean she played she played the role exactly how I imagine the Sith would be, you know, ruthless, cunning and and willing to do whatever it takes to get ahead. Exactly.
1: No, you nailed it with, with your description of that. Absolutely. But I will say my favorite moment of the the whole season was when Anakin and not Anakin, Darth Vader and Obi-Wan had their duel in the final episode. Mm-hmm. And he ends up cutting that part of his, his helmet off. And it was, we saw like the duality going on. We saw a little bit of Anakin come out and we saw Vader come out yeah. both both ways. And you could actually, I mean, feel, watching you and McGregor, you could feel in his portrayal of Obi-Wan, the guilt that he felt about everything that happened on Mustafar and, and, and maiming him the way he did and apologizing. And to hear Anakin actually say, you know, basically, I'm not your charity case. I didn't, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. That's mm-hmm. chilling to hear, you know, and then that was kind of like the last little bit of light that you saw from Anakin and then Darth Vader kind of just completely reappeared. And then he basically said, I'm, just, I'm going to go and kill you. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, uh,
0: it, everything that happened in that, in that duel between uh, Vader and Obi-Wan, it brings so much more color and depth to some of his lines in, in A New Hope. I mean, you know, a, a young Jedi well, well, um, I may not be remembering the line exactly, but I know Obi Wan said a young Jedi named Darth Vader betrayed and murdered your father. There you go. That's exactly what happened, and they 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 addressed that with dialogue, meaning that you know Darth Vader himself killed Anakin. It wasn't Obi Wan. It wasn't. Uh, it was just I, I thought that just a single a single. I thought that a single line of dialogue like that just brought so much more to Alec Guinness's performance and in his dialogue.
1: Yes. It made it all finally tie together. And they finally had an explanation for why Obi-Wan referred to him as Darth in episode four. Mm-hmm. We obviously, obviously we know it was because the story wasn't fully developed, but now there's an in-canon reason for it, which is right. great. Right. I agree. All right. On that note, uh,
0: we are going to end it here for – Episode 17 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. So if uh, if you wanted to reach out to the show and interact with us, you can find us at, uh, at Facebook, Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. You can find us on Twitter, Logs and Lightsabers pod. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, or you can email the show at logslightpod at gmail.com. Uh, f- until next time, This has been episode 17 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers.
1: I'm Jonathan. And I'm Chris. Uh, Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and live long and prosper. And may the Force be with you.
0: mm